sunny Oklahoma. Welcome to Pastors of Pain. I'm Father Brian O'Brien, and it is good to be here with you. Uh, we are recording this just before Christmas. Uh, we're trying to, you know, get ahead, get ahead on the old podcast. Give our uh, our dedicated uh, producer Rob Ponce a little a little break. Um, and in exchange for that break, I have made him a guest. <laughs> but not just Rob, but also his wife Margie. Say hello, Ponces. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my gosh, this is great. This, this is, is great. so weird. <laughs> so Rob, if you don't, so we usually, Father Kerry and I, uh, Father Kerry Wakulis, pastor of St. John Catholic Student Center, usually it's Father Kerry and I, but then occasionally over the years, we've been recording this for five and a half years, and we've had 200 plus, 290 something Three. episodes, um, and we've always had help because we're dumb and we <laughs> don't know what we're doing on the technology side. And we've said this before, if it, if it relied on us to like produce it and add the music and we, this thing would have died after about three episodes. <laughs> so we've always had, we've always had help. And so Rob Ponce is usually sitting here with us as we record. And so he is, is sitting here with us, but he's also the guest, not just the guest. Anyway, last week we had a beautiful conversation with Rob and Gina Agnew, who are parishioners and awesome people and working hard to raise their family in the faith, and they do a whole bunch of stuff around the parish. And then what they have in common with the Ponces is that Rob and Gina are discerning the, the, the vocation of, of the diaconate. Um, Rob and Margie are too. And so I just want, we're going to, I'm just going to have them share a little bit about their life. You guys good with that? Sure. sure. Okay. Uh, tell us how you met. Oh, boy. Okay, so the short, short version of this it story. It doesn't have to be that short. <laughs> well, so I was uh, active duty Navy uh, stationed in San Diego. Mm -hmm. This is uh, mid-90s, early 90s, actually. Mid-90s. Just got off deployment, uh, was dead broke, couldn't go back home for Christmas, Um. Home and, was where? In Florida, South Florida. So you're in California. I'm in you California. Have no money. No money. And you want to go to Florida. Well, I wanted to, so then I yeah, couldn't. But so no, then. <laughs> no, no cash. Yeah, so a good friend of mine, uh, he's from El Paso, and he was like, hey, I know you're broke, but you know I'm driving. Uh, Wait, Margie's from El Paso. She is. Oh, my gosh. I know where this is going. <laughs> oh, go boy. Go ahead. And so I was like, sure, you know, I, got, I got gas money. I can handle that. And um, so we jumped in the car, drove 10 hours, and on New Year's Eve of 1995. 95. 95, yeah. For lunch. <laughs> for lunch, we met at uh, a restaurant that's not even open anymore. At Bennigan's. Bennigan's. Yeah. yeah. Old <laughs> Irish. Bennigan's. Yeah. Way back. Uh, your friend introduced you? His friends is friends with my friend where I was working at the casino, and my friend said she wanted to go meet up with his friend. And she's like, I don't want to go alone. Come with me. The Lord works in mysterious sure. ways. Yeah. Just like that. I mean, think about this. Think of, like yeah. I think about this all the time. Like, What would life, like this one little, I mean, let's say your friend gets sick that day. Rob and Margie never, never come never together. Met, ever. Yeah. Or you had money to just mm -hmm. fly to yeah. Florida. Mm-hmm. 
You never Honestly, made- I think about that sometimes because like if I if I had not met her, I probably would not have done 20 years in the military. Yeah. To be honest. I oh. probably would have gotten out after a couple of years and went and did something else. Oh. Lived in your mom's basement. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you guys, you, you had a date at Bennigan's. Mm-hmm. And then what? Uh, then what and happened? I'll well, tell you, it started out as friends. a friendship. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, we were we were racking up the phone bills, making somebody a lot of money for the... the Southwestern Bank. Back in the day when, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, it was like 25 cents a cost. minute or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we just became really fast friends and we just got to know each other and we, you know, and that's, I think what was really fascinating about the beginning of our relationship is because it started out as a friendship because she was 10 hours away. So it's not like we can go out on dates. It's not like we can go have dinner. We, it was over a phone call. It was, was it really letters. a friendship? Because mm-hmm. some people huh? say that. But they don't really mean it. Well, it was. I was. Mm-hmm. I was actually trying to find him a girlfriend. You know, among my friends. Oh, really? Yeah. I. But secretly, you didn't. You were like, "Oh, I hope I don't." I. I don't. I. One of my friends says that, but I. I actually wanted to find him a girlfriend, and later on, I realized I wanted to be his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And this was mid-February when he came back to El Paso to visit. Yeah. And he came back after Valentine's Day. It was like the week after, and uh, my parents had just moved to Kansas in at Thanksgiving. So in January, they came and picked up all their things. I was living at their house, and I had no refrigerator. I had a cooler for about two weeks. <laughs> I was, really Those don't nice. work as well as refrigerators. I know, and so I saved up some money, and I went to the furniture store to buy a refrigerator, and he was with me, and... While I was doing some paperwork, he went and paid. And he paid for my refrigerator. I thought you were going to say he proposed to you in the first place. No, store. he paid for my awesome. refrigerator. And, you know, that's when I realized, you know, if this guy's willing to pay for my refrigerator and we're just friends, I think there's more to this relationship. Yeah. So I don't know any, none of my friends paid for my refrigerator. I know. And it was, it's <laughs> to this day, it just seems so sweet that, you know, he saw a need that I had and he fulfilled it. And then we started dating after that. And how long, you, how long from dating to engagement? So you're not going to believe this, but <laughs> uh, how about from dating to married? Yeah. It was so, February that we started dating and uh-huh. we were married in July. Yeah. Oh, dang. And we had yeah. four weekends that we hung out with each other. Mm-hmm. Either he came back to El Paso or I went to San Diego once and in April, he proposed, and then we got married in July. Mm-hmm. And between April and July, we didn't see each other until we got married. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> okay. Was, and where, uh, where were you living at that time? I was still in San Diego. Okay. You're still in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after that, you lived in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then where else have you lived? You've lived in see, San Diego. exotic, exotic San places. San Diego, then oh, we moved we, to then we Kansas. Might, no, no, well, yes. And then we moved to Hawaii. The Hawaii. Ah, we the did three Kansas years Hawaii connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then we moved to How Virginia. long in Hawaii? Three years. Three, three years. years. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then Virginia. We went to Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's where we spent a good chunk of time was in Virginia. About nine years of my career was in Virginia. Okay. Multiple commands in Virginia. And then Virginia. And then uh, we went to Italy. Went to Naples, Italy, Italy for your last command. That's we right. wanted to do something fun and yeah. give Sounds the girls fun. an experience. 
Yeah, because yeah. our our girls were older, and so we we wanted to allow them to experience something that they may never experience for the rest of their life, which is pretty rare for kids, especially teen, young teenage yeah. years. Yeah. And and so they were we we chose that time on purpose because we we were the hope was that they would take that for the rest of their life and like have that experience of wow I've yeah. been to other countries and then Italy to. Stillwater. Stillwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So Rob's been on the show before when he, I think maybe when we first hired him as our mm-hmm. communications mm-hmm. director at the parish. So you can go back and listen to the life, the life of Rob Ponce, which is greatly intertwined with Margie. <laughs> yes. Uh, so then here in Stillwater, so Rob's a convert. Mm-hmm. Rob grew up Pentecostal. Sure did. Margie? I'm cradle Catholic. Tell us about growing up. You grew up in El Paso? I grew up in El Paso. Um, My grandparents on my mom's side um, were from the Cristero era. Yeah. I think both of them were in Mexico. Um, The government tried to abolish Catholicism. And so they grew up. Not a smart move. Yeah. And they grew up, you know, believing in the faith and fighting for it. But they also did not have catechism, you know, they just believed it just, it was passed on through the family and Catholicism was very strong in my family on both sides. Love it. So, what was the name of your parish growing up? So we lived right in between two parishes. Oh. We lived in between Our Lady of Mount Carmo and Our Lady of the Valley. And Ooh, so Our sometimes we would Valley. go to two different parishes okay. and, our Lady of Mount Carmel is actually right next to one of the oldest missions in El Paso. It's um, Isleta. El Paso is like and deeply Catholic. Yes. Yeah. I The first time I found out when my friends was not Catholic, I think I was a teenager like, and I was a, shocked. What's a, a non Catholic? <laughs> yeah. What do I, I like, do? Like, what do you mean you're not Catholic? <laughs> Very strange. And then, uh, so you met Rob and then you were on the move. And you've, I, and yeah. you've not been back to. El Paso. I mean, you visit. I visit, of course, but, but no, we haven't yeah. moved. But your back family's there. still there. No, we have one uncle now. Okay. My parents had moved up to Kansas and other. Well, that's aunts. right. You guys go to Kansas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have aunts in Houston and Las Cruces and just everywhere. Yeah. Lovely. Nice. Mexico. Yeah. All right. So then you guys both had so like Rob, you became. Catholic. Margie, you kind of had a, I don't know, like a reversion. I did. I, um, my late teens and my early twenties, um, I have an aunt who, a great aunt who is a religious nun and I wanted to be like her. She traveled a lot and she helped people and I didn't have that calling from God. So, you know, in my teenage wisdom, which is not great. <laughs> I was angry at God, so I was like, oh, he doesn't love me, so I'm going to be angry at him. And that lasted till my mid-20s. And so you were kind of away. You yeah. Were a little wayward. Yeah. I just didn't go to church. I, uh-huh. But I knew he was there. I believed, but I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm not loved. And so I stepped away for sure. a while. And then what was it? What What brought you? What was like the, was it a dramatic return or a gradual return? It was dramatic at the point where um, I was working at a casino and we used to go, when we get off the casino, sometimes we'd go play poker or something with other mm-hmm. people. And 
one time I just, I got tired and I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, I want something different. I, I want to meet someone who loves me and just, I want to stop this. And a few months later, that's when I met Rob. Wow. Nice. Good timing. Um, I had started coming back to the church little by little by that time. And, um, when we met, after we had after we got married a few months later i got pregnant with our oldest daughter and we talked about how we were going to raise our children and i said well i only know how to be catholic i don't know anything about being pentecostal and he's like okay and then i said okay we're going to raise the child catholic he's like sure okay <laughs> so that started now he asked he would ask me questions like well now i got to go look them up and so that started sure. my you know, coming back into the church. And that's a very um, common, it happens a lot with um, people who have kind of walked straight away from their faith and it's having kids that, oh my gosh, I got a, I'm in, char- in charge of this whole other person. Like, yeah. and it, and it's, a, it's sort of an awakening that can, that can oftentimes happen that brings you back to the life of faith and getting back into the practice of things. And that's awesome. Okay. Let's talk about becoming uh, a deacon. Uh, how did that come about? So we talked last week with the Ag News about kind of the formation process, and but but the decision to to, to go. So everybody has like their own unique vocation story. Almost like when you when you uh, if you ask any couple, like how did you meet? Like they have some unique story. It's in in, in the same way that when God calls to a particular vocation, in this case, to possibly to the diaconate. What, what did that look like for, for you guys? I think in the beginning, um, well, it's a, a couple of things. It's, so one, uh, this is why I'm a firm believer in a personal invitation, because I think most things begin with a personal invitation. Because the, the thought of becoming a deacon really wasn't really on my mind, per se. Um, However, what has always been on my mind is serving the church, serving the church in some way. And so the personal invitation that that I received to come to an information night about the diaconate um, is what really started the question of, well, this is interesting. Can I serve the church in this capacity? And so, and then what I find interesting is shortly after that, then it would be, for example, my father-in-law randomly said to me one day, hey, you know, you'd be a great deacon. I'm like, what, what, why would you say that to why me? Why do you think he said that? I have no idea. And I didn't want to ask why. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I wasn't sure I wanted to know the answer. And, and, then, and then it was other parishioners that I've gotten to know over the years. And, you know, maybe they would ask me a question or I, I don't know, somehow maybe I said something profound or something and they would be like, oh, you'd be a great deacon. And it's like, why do people keep telling me that? And so it was kind of the coupling of these two of, of learning what does it take to become a deacon? What is the church asking of a man mm-hmm. in that role? And do I have the capacity to even fill that role or, or do I have the desire to fill that role? Uh, and then obviously, is God calling me to this? That's extremely important, of course. And I think just, you know, talking to Margie about it, like, what do you think? Like, is, do you even support this at all? What do you think? And what did, I mean, when that question came to you, Margie, what did you? 
Well, what was your immediate? I think it thought? goes back to before he retired from the Navy. Um, we had decided that when he retired, that we were going to do what God called us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, being in Europe really strengthened our faith in Catholicism. You know, just going and he, seeing the history in Europe was just amazing. And we realized that our Catholicism history goes back bigger than us. It goes back further. And when he retired, it was, okay, well, what does God want us to do? And that's when we started our path on, well, what does God want? And um, being here, when he told me, it was like, oh, okay. But then it's like, okay, well, what does God want? And that's when we started praying and just we are here on God's path, and He's going to tell us what to do. And what did that? Pr- what was that? Pr- just to help people kind of understand when you said I, we pr- we prayed about it. What did that? So, for example, look like sound like. So, for example, uh, and this is actually a, a common prayer that I still pray even today, is to the effect of, um. I give to you all that I am, and I ask that you dispose of me in accordance with your will. Like this is a prayer that I say often, right? And so it it goes for me. It goes beyond just the diaconate. That that's one piece of it, because it's it's also in um, working for the church as the communications director. Like God, what what do you ask of me in this role? Mm. What what you know? Tell me what you want. Guide me in the way that you want me to go. Allow help me to conform my will to yours. Right, and, and so applying that to the diaconate, that's what that prayer was like. Help me to conform my will to yours, so that when I, when I'm walking this path, that you know I, I'm not um, sidetracked or I'm not uh, you know distracted with other things. That I I want to be able to focus on this. So even when you know if I if I'm working. And I recognize, okay, maybe I'm working too many hours because I haven't read this book that I'm supposed to be reading. You know, it's like, okay, Lord, help me to make some time so I can read. You know, it's like, it's always asking. It's always asking for God to just guide me, just guide, guide. Not just me, but us as well. Because she's a part of this too. And and I've told her, I told her from day one. And the church, the diocese also told us this. It's like, if if at any moment she says to me, you know what, I think this is too much. Or, I, you know, I... I'm, this doesn't feel right anymore. Like I'm out. You know, it's like uh, she's what are my the first specific vacation. instructions? Like what? What does what? Like you have to mm-hmm. sign something? What? What is actually? The we diocese? did. We yeah. Yeah, I've always heard that, something. but I've yeah. never. What is that like? What does yeah. that look like? So the, the formation team actually said, and they told her. They didn't tell me. They told her. They said, um, "You have to write a letter to the bishop." Well, this is Margie writing to the I, bishop. Yeah, I had to write to the bishop. Say, and what did that letter yeah. say? That I granted Robert permission to continue in the program. Oh. So yeah. I had to give my consent. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. It's, and then yeah. you got interviewed. Mm-hmm. Did you, you got interviewed together or uh, separately? We together, right? We were together. Yeah, we were together. Okay. But That's they right. directed questions at each one of us. Yeah. And, yeah. Because um, imagine, yeah, so imagine like being a deacon in the church and like your wife hates it yeah. mm-hmm. or resents it. Yeah. yeah. It's a problem. Or, you know, that's not mm-hmm. gonna, cause you're, I don't know what they've kind of shared with you. I've always, I've heard deacons talk about like, yes, I am a deacon, but like my first responsibility 
is as a husband or, right. and a father. Did that they they've said that? They did. In fact, they they called it my first vocation because yeah. you know sacrament of holy matrimony. It's a vocation. So she is my first vocation. So and 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 I agree with that statement very much for lots of reasons. You know, obviously being in the military, I was away from home a lot. You know, this time now that I've retired, it's like I want to spend as much time as I can with her. And if the if the diaconate were and I understand serving the church, it's important. It's extremely important. And I know that there will be times where I, I may be called away as a deacon to go do things for the church. Clearly understood. But that's not the same as being deployed for six months yes. either. Yes. Or ten months, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge difference. And so that's why I feel like I, I believe that we are okay with continuing with this process and being formed as a deacon because I know that serving the church is important to both of us. Not just me, but to us. She serves with me. We and, serve our church and the people that we serve. And that was one thing he said when he retired from the Navy was that he had already served his country and now he wanted to serve his community starting with the church. And that was very important to Love him it. that, okay, I served my time with the Navy, with the country, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to serve my church. Mm-hmm. And this is something that goes along with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I learned to share him with the Navy. So I am <laughs> very happy to share him with the church. Mm-hmm. We talked about when Rob was on the show, whenever that was a year ago or so, there's a there's a there's a connection between those who have served in the military and and holy orders mm-hmm. in the sense of it's it in many ways isn't like an easy fit. Mm-hmm. You're you're used to being a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're used to taking orders, you know, mm-hmm. like to like so the promise of obedience. Mm-hmm. You don't take a promise of obedience in the in the military, but you. I mean, you know, kinda kind of do. I mean, yeah. you know that you're gonna follow orders. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a there's a natural I think it's it's a little easier for a guy who's been in the military mm-hmm. successfully mm-hmm. to transition to the priesthood or to the diaconate because it you know it's a it's a very similar kind of structure mm-hmm. military and and the mm-hmm. life of the church and it's a sense of honor too I mean uh, serving my country was an honor serving my church in any capacity is an honor doubly so that it it also brings me a sense of joy. Mm-hmm. So, like in our formation, we've been asked to, you know, to serve at the altar. Now, I've not being cradle Catholic, I was never an altar server. I, I know what it looks like because I could see the kids that do I it. I was never an altar server either. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, really? Right. Oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't even know that. And so, like to to be able to be in the sanctuary with you and Father Healy or any priest that I get to serve with, and to be able to be that close to what's happening. I mean, it is an immense amount of joy. I mean, it's indescribable in words uh, of how much joy it is to just be up at the altar, to be that close to what's happening, to the consecration, yeah. just to be a part of it. And and so I, I find so much joy in it. And I, I look forward to whatever the future holds, whatever God is asking me to do. I, I know that whatever the hardships or trials and tribulations that come with it, I know that there will be joy in it too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Margie, what does your like family think of you and Rob kind of making this decision together? Do they know about it? They, they do. What they, do they? Um, so my, you know, my dad has talked to all his family in Mexico and um, 
all our family, they're very happy for him and they're happy that he's following what God wants wants us, you know, for this path for us. And, you know, they pray for him. Good. We have cousins in, in Chihuahua that are, they've had several masses for him and they continuously pray for him nice. because, you know, they know how important it is to us and to God to, to follow his will. And I think that's so. a great lesson for just for people listening of, you know, that you can, let's say you're not, you don't feel called to the priesthood, religious life, the diaconate. There's lots of ways to support those mm-hmm. who are, who are called to that vocation, praying for them and yeah, just offering whatever, whatever support you can. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Okay. So then tell us about formation. The Ag News uh, in our previous episode kind of talked about that. What, what has that been like? Yeah. Uh, these, this kind of one weekend a month. Um, I think in your case, you you had said early on, like you just you hadn't been in school. Oh my gosh! In a long time. So you know, Rob Agnew, <laughs> yeah. Rob Agnew, you know, got his PhD mm-hmm. not in not in philosophy and theology, so a different mm-hmm. subject. But had, you know, recently had been a student. Mm-hmm. You, it had, for you, it has been a long, a long time, time since you mm-hmm. since you were in kind of that academic. Yeah. What world. I'm what I'm learning really quickly is um, how to take better notes. Because these professors, you know, they I think they call it the Socratic method where, you know, uh-huh. they just kind of go up there and lecture. And when they write on the board, oh, that's great. I'm just writing down what he's writing down because, you know, that that's probably going to be on the test or, or I have to write about it. But when they kind of get into a groove and they put that marker down and then you just start talking, well, I'm listening. I'm trying to absorb what yep. he's saying. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't written anything <laughs> yeah. down. Am I supposed to be writing all this? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, thankfully, one of the guys, uh, Tech Sevy, like me, uh, has been recording the talks uh, just like on his phone. And then he'll go and he'll upload it for us to be able to play back. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's been so Mark, helpful. Good use yeah. of technology there. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, man, why didn't I think of that? But I'm, I'm glad someone did. Wow. Because I can listen to that and, and then fill in the blanks of my notes. Mm. How many guys are in your class? There are currently 19 of us. Okay. Yeah, so it's they- so good to get with them. Like I, we each, we have this little group me chat that we're in. And like right before the weekend, it's like, oh man, I can't wait to see you guys. Oh, looking forward to praying with you guys. I mean, it is so good to just be in a group of faithful men praying together uh, multiple times a day to break bread together to to just, and the beauty of it too is here I am thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail out of this. And as I talk to the other guys, it's like, oh yeah, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that or I'm I'm like oh me too <laughs> and what are the struggles I mean what what do uh... well some of the guys are, are like me haven't been in school in forever so it is the note taking it is like some of these You're really writing heady papers. subjects yeah writing <laughs> it's like thanks in fact thanks to Rob Agnew who is the professor who gave us a template to use <laughs> and, and so like it it helps us to, like you know how you have to cite your work right. So I've, I've never cited work before in the Navy, like plagiarizing was authorized. You know, <laughs> if you had to write a document in the Navy, you just, you know, you copied someone else that did it. And, and so obviously in this plagiarism is horribly bad, uh, rightly so. And, and so we have to cite our work. And so Rob came up with this template and I use it for every paper I have wow. to write. 
and and it's that that's helpful. It's yeah. little things like yeah. that, but that we we kind of lean on each other. Use use what you know to help each other out, and it's been really good. What other st- other like non academic um, struggles. So like getting used to praying. I, I'm not the only one. Like evening prayer since it'd be a struggle for me. Um, usually because, you know, I, I, I come home, Margie and I are just kind of like hanging out, having dinner, whatever. And then we'll, we'll have a conversation and we'll be talking next thing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to bed. And I was like, oh man, oh, evening prayer. Evening prayer. Yeah. yeah. And, and so just sometimes, you know, it just slips through the cracks and trying to get better at that. And then it turns out I'm not the only one that that's happening. Um, reading, finding time to read. Cause a lot, you know, a lot of us were fathers where, we're have full time jobs, and you have a professional career. That's right, right. And, right. and so work also has to get done. Housework has to get done. Fixing things has to get done, and things like that. And so, finding the time to write papers, and finding the time to read books, and finding the time to pray, and finding the time to do all these things. And you have adult children, but but some of the guys have, yeah, you know, yeah. still have yeah. kids at home. Yes. Still have, I mean, infants, toddlers, yes, yes. teenagers. Yeah. So all of the things that that. That involves, and so having to find the time and make the time, it's yeah. There's a lot going on, yeah, and it's big, and it's big sacrifice. Yeah. Very interesting, Ponce's. Thank you yeah. for coming on the show. Yeah. So pray for, thank you, uh, Pray for Margie. Pray for Rob. Pray Please. for Margie and Rob. Please. Um, and let's see where it all goes. So you know, yeah. just obviously, kind of like seminary entering the deacon formation program doesn't automatically make you a deacon. It's a, a period of discernment. That's right. And so they're just getting warmed up. Yeah. So down the road, we'll try to find uh, get Kendall and Katie Hansen on here. They're the other couple. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Hope your 2024 is off to a great start. God bless.